Hi, this is Ben Felder with The Frontier, and before we get started with this week's episode, I want to let you know that we're going to be discussing the shooting of two Tulsa police officers that took place earlier this year, and the video that captured that shooting, which was released earlier this week. Audio from parts of that video will be played on this podcast episode, and we're going to discuss the details, which some listeners may find disturbing. The video will show you that there is no doubt who gunned down our officers. It is the most incriminating piece of evidence that we have. The reason why I stopped you is because turned out right in front of me as I'm coming. And yeah, on top of that, you have your tag. Body cam video being released this morning. And that video showing what happened the night two Tulsa police officers were shot. Officer Arush Zarkashan and Sergeant Craig Johnson shot during a routine traffic stop. Please don't Step out of the car. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. Step out of the vehicle now. The video will show what happened in the early hours of June 29th when TPD officer Zarkashan pulled over David Ware who had expired tags. The release this week of a video showing the shooting and killing of a Tulsa police officer offered new details about how a routine traffic stop turned deadly. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder, and on this week's episode of Listen Frontier, I speak with Frontier editor Dylan Goforth about the release of the video, what it revealed, and why a judge decided it was important to make public. We also discussed the journalistic decision-making in publishing the video and the process the Frontier took in deciding to share parts of that video. So first, Dylan, um, tell us about what happened that night. Uh, yeah, well, and, I mean, in many ways, it was, like, I think, a routine, you know, encounter. It was 3 a.m., uh, you know, a guy had, I guess, allegedly pulled out in front of a, a cop. Uh, he said he did a wide turn, you know, and like the chief said at the press conference on Monday, 3 a.m., wide turn in front of a police officer, you know, you, you I guess generally expect that um, that person might be intoxicated. So um, the officer, it was Officer uh, Zarkashan, who um, pulled David Ware over, and he had a, uh, I think, a paper uh, plate, you know, a paper tag that had been expired, and so there was, you know, multiple things going on. Just roll that window all the way down, man. The reason why I stopped you is because turned out right in front of me as I'm coming, yeah, and on top I of that, you have I an expired tag. Yeah. I just not, my tag's not expired. I just haven't got it tagged yet. I just you, bought the your card. Your paper tag's expired, man. Okay, I'm sorry. That's I, I thought I had two months. Paper, no. Okay, well. You got an I, idea on you? Yes. And he's, just, uh, the video shows him, uh, the officer Zarkashan, walk up to the uh, police car, or to the to David Ware's car, and, you know, speaking to him, trying to get some information, ask for an ID. Uh, he, he says he can't find it, but he says he has it because he was just at the casino and had won some money, I guess. And, you know, you have to have your ID, I guess, to collect that money. And so he said, I've got it somewhere. 
he tells him his name, you know, the officer runs his name. I mean, you know, there's, um, you know, it's a pretty, you know, normal uh, interaction at that point. And, but uh, David Ware was pretty upset. Uh, and, and he said multiple times in the video, you know, why are you guys, you're always messing with me. You know, let me go home. Because they're, they're saying, we're going to tow the car. You know, you don't have a license. You know, they're giving him a hard time about the license and the insurance. Well, we can't look up your insurance. You know, you don't have your ID. And and he it, the, the driver's getting more and more, um, you know, upset throughout the whole encounter, which I think took about, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes. Do you have anything in the car? Huh? Do you have anything in the car I need to know about? No. Like drugs, guns? I just, I just need... There's no heroin, meth, or anything like that? Um, and at some point, uh, another officer, uh, Sergeant uh, Craig Johnson, pulls up. You know, so now there's both both officers there, one on either side of the car, looking in the car, you know, talking to to, to Will, and they tell him we're gonna pull, we're gonna tow your car. You know, you need to get out. And he's upset. He's like, I'm not getting out. I don't want to get out. You know, um, you can't make. He keeps saying, you, know, you can't make me get out. So what I need you to do is step out of the vehicle. What? Well, first let me ask you, one more time. Do you have anything in the vehicle that I need to know about? Why are you shining that in my face? I can't. So I can I'm see in the car. I'm to you, but you're shining that light. Do you have anything in the vehicle? Because you've got a history of narcotics. I know, and y'all always fuck with me just because I have a history. And Officer Zarkashan, finally at some point, you know, he has a knock, but he opens the driver's side door, so he's trying to pull David Ware out of the vehicle. This is my Do you want to get tased? Why are y'all doing this? Because you're refusing to follow a lawful order. I need you to step out it's of the car. It is a lawful order, and I will it's tase not, you if you do not get out of the car. Um, you know, he's and he's a pretty big guy. Like Chief said on Monday, it, it's not as easy maybe as you think it is to pull, you know, a grown man out of a car who doesn't want to get out of a car. So there's a struggle. Um, you know, they stop for a little bit. Uh, where at one point. You know, I actually multiple times in the video says, you know, bring a supervisor. I need your supervisor. And that's Johnson. That's literally he's there. You know, he's saying, I'm, I am the supervisor. I'm the sergeant. You need to get out of the car. He's actually for most of the video. Sort of Johnson is trying to sort of calm things down. It seems like, you know, and he's like, look, he's trying to tell him, look, you know, if you don't get out of the car, like we've already made the decision, but the car is getting towed. You need to get out. It's either going to be on your own or, you know, there's going to be tasers and pepper spray. I mean, you know, you those are the two options. That's it. I'm going to tase you in three, two, one. Do you want it or not? Step out of the car. I'm going to hit him. Are you ready? Ready. Get out of the car. Fuck you, Fuck. Get out of the car. Get out. Get out. So they're pulling him out of the vehicle. Well, at some point, right before they pull him out of the vehicle, you can see, and it's really brief, um, you can see him sort of reaching back in the car under the seat or under the under the steering wheel, I mean, in that area. But it's really brief, and it was obviously pretty chaotic at that point. So, um, you, you know, you might miss it if you're not specifically looking for it. But I guess apparently that's when he grabbed a firearm. Now, I will, I will spray you again. Okay. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Get on the ground now! On the ground! Please stop! Stop! Both officers are pulling Ware from the car, and you hear one or two gunshots. You hear uh, Sergeant Johnson say, you know, like, he's some sort of surprise. He says, like, what the? Because he's trying to figure out, I, I get the chief said, you know, it's, 
is another officer shooting? Is another person shooting? Is this person shooting? Um, and then real quick, there's one or two more gunshots. Uh, officer Zarkashan backs up a bit across the street. Um, Johnson is, is on the ground at this point, kind of screaming. And then uh, more shots are fired at Zarkashan. He, he goes down and then Ware shoots another shot at Johnson who's on the ground. And, and then runs away uh, down the street. And you can kind of see him through the, through the dash cam video kind of screaming and running down the street sort of into the, into the dark. And then he sort of disappears while you can still hear him. And that's when the video ends. It's such a chilling video, one, because you know how it's going to end, uh, but then two, it's it's really hard to watch the shooting. You know, you mentioned the surprise of the officer and and you can you can hear kind of the the agony and desperation as he's yelling out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not a it's not an easy video to watch. Obviously, Tulsa police and police chief Wendell Franklin were adamantly against this being released. And you can see why. I mean, one of their own. You know, two of their own are being shot. One is being killed, and as the police chief said, it's it's a it's a video of an ex- execution. And mm-hmm. you, you were at the press conference. What uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you know just Chief Franklin, how he presented this video, doing something he didn't want to have to do, but released a video. And and, and what what did he say about about this? You know, he did say on Monday. I mean, I think the plan. They, the police department always sort of had a plan for, I think, for how this would, how the video would be released if it got to that point. Um, you know, they were always waiting on judges' orders, and they had told us last week that um, whenever the judge ruled, if he did rule in favor of um, the video being released, that they would have a press conference, and that's how they would do it. And so the um, the judge's order expired Monday morning. They had the press conference, and then the Chief Franklin, he, you know, there was. Uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 reporters and, and uh, cameramen there. And he said, you know, my plan was to screen the video for everyone. And he, you know, he said, I just changed my mind. I don't want, I didn't want to do that. So he said, I'm just going to show some, um, some still images from the video at the press conference. And then we'll re- release the video on our, they have a little uh, media portal that uh, reporters have access to. So we'll release the video on there. Cause he just, you know, he said he did not want to, he didn't want to go through showing the video. I I think in that in that setting with other officers watching. I mean that would have been that would have been pretty pretty tough thing to do. To me, it seems as though criminals have more uh, they have more rights than what you and I do. They have more rights than what our law enforcement officers do. You would never be allowed publicly to see the execution of a criminal. Yet today, you get to publicly see the execution of a police officer. What do we learn when we, when we watch the video? What do we learn about this incident? I mean, you know, there are a few things that stand out to me. I mean, I made a list of them Monday when I was I watched it a few times. I mean, one thing is that it's, it was not, like I said, it was a pretty routine. It was a routine reason for a stop. And it was sort of one of those, I think, like end of shift stops. I mean, everyone who has a you know, a, a shift job has experience with the, you know, the 15 minutes before your shift is over, something goes wrong kind of thing. And he was a driver who's pretty obstinate and is saying he's not, 
getting out. You know, all they're asking him is just get out of the vehicle. We're going to tow the car, you know. Um, it's, they're not, it's not a huge ask, you know, and he's saying, you know, you're violating my rights. That, you know, I think that was – it was a frustrating stop, but not really an unusual one. And it really stood out to me how quickly it went wrong. I mean, even the use of force by the officers, pepper spray, tasers, pulling, you know, that happens from time to time in these situations. I mean, I think any patrol officer has probably experienced that a few times, you know, without it reaching the point that it did on uh, June 29th was um, things went wrong very quickly. And it went from, you know, we're pulling a, a driver out of a vehicle that's uh, frustrating us to, oh, he has a gun that we're not aware of. And both of us, you know, both officers have been shot within five seconds. I mean, it happened so fast. And uh, the video did, the video really did show that. I mean, it really showed how quickly, I mean, it was, you know, I think one of the videos, the longest of the videos was 16 minutes and it was 15 minutes and 50 seconds of, you know, sort of your standard uh, traffic stop gone wrong situation. And then 10 seconds of, you know, two officers being shot, one being killed and the guy escaping. Um, so that did, that really stood out to me. The other, you know, the other thing that we learned, and, and it's sort of, I think, the impetus for the video being released in the first place, is that it did not really entirely match up with the initial um, police statements of the shooting and uh, with the police report. And I think that had it, had the police report and maybe more closely matched, you know, the chief statements the day of the shooting uh, in his initial press conference, more closely matched the video itself, we probably wouldn't be seeing the video. I mean, that the, a, a judge was fine with putting, with barring the video's release until um, one of the defense attorneys raised the issue that, you know, hey, this doesn't uh, entirely accurately depict what my, you know, what happened that night, what my, my client did. And I think that was the reason the video, you know, was released. And I think it did show that there were some uh, inaccuracies. What were some of those discrepancies and how the police described it and what we saw in the video? Well, if you see the, the police report and if you watch the chief's uh, press conference, you know, when this happened, it was 3 a.m. Um, it was one of those things that you wake up and you see on your phone, you know, the, the headline and you go, oh, my God. Um, and there was a press conference earlier, you know, that or that same day of, of the shooting and um, the chief said that um, they sort of described what Ware did as, as, uh, as his, you know, his attorney will, will put it like uh, more of like a cold-blooded murder. I mean, they, they called it an execution-style uh, killing, and you know, him sort of like calmly standing over one of the officers, and, and after he's already shot him, you know, and then shooting him again, and and walking away calmly. And when you you read the police report and if you'd listen to the chief's first press conference back in June, you, you know, you had the, the image of, of, you know, David Ware as being very like in control of himself, you know, in this sort of like cold blooded uh, murder. Um, and, but what the video actually shows is a lot of chaos and a lot of panic and screaming and, and fear by, you know, by everyone. And, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a thing where he stood, you know, however much this matters to you, I guess is, you know, maybe depends, but it wasn't a thing where he sort of, you know, calmly 
you know, walked over and stood over an officer and fired another shot at you. I mean, he was screaming and running and scared the whole time. It doesn't obviously excuse what happened, but it it's, if you watch the video, it paints a different picture of the whole interaction than the police report and then chief's initial statements. And like the chief said, you know, on Monday, he, he said, okay, fine. It wasn't, you know, he was seven feet away instead of one foot away and he was screaming oh, so instead of calm. And he down. said, it doesn't matter. He still killed one cop and shot another one. The, the suspect, you can see, puts a two-hand hold on that gun and makes sure he aims, firing and striking Sergeant Johnson in the head. The next video you can see, or next image, I'm sorry, you can see, you can see the suspect now turning and leaving the scene. He is making his exit. The detention of this stop is over. He has escaped. That, that's probably true on a, a human level. You know, I mean, as a human, what does it matter to you? If, you know, he killed someone from six feet away or one feet, one foot away. But I think there are people who, I mean, I know there are people who are upset because I've seen it and I've, I've heard from people who are upset about that sort of discrepancy because it's sort of, an, I think, an, an admittance that, um, the police reports and, and police statements aren't always true, you know, and here they are admitting, yeah, okay, sure, we got it wrong, but um, it doesn't matter. And I don't, you know, like I said, that how much that matters to you, that discrepancy is, you know, is sort of an eye of the beholder. But there are, are some people who it gives a reason to, you know, I think further, you know, distrust uh, police. And um, so it was, that was, I think, the most contentious part of Monday was just the fact that, you had people who are watching the video and and seeing a cold-blooded murder, and then you have people who are watching the video and seeing, hey, this doesn't match up with what the police told us. Uh, and if it if if there are discrepancies in this case, then what other cases are there discrepancies in? You know, what what else would they uh, tell us? So I think that was a lot of the the anger and frustration on Monday was just because there was sort of those two uh, opposing sides. Yeah, and you're right. I think I think most objective people would watch that and come away with, you know, had had shot two officers, did not obey their commands, and had murdered one. You know, what what does it matter? I guess when you know when you're a defense attorney, you're thinking about the severity of the punishment, obviously, or the severity of the charges. This is the death penalty state, and obviously, uh, the the idea that someone would execute in cold blood a police officer versus someone still being in the wrong, but maybe being very distraught and however they use that in their defense. I mean, there could be, I mean, you know, whether or not the death penalty is at play could be, uh, mm -hmm. could be a part of this case. And, and, and those details do, do matter. So I definitely understand how the average person may be like, what does it matter? I mean, he killed an officer and, and he clearly did, but when it comes to the defense, obviously they're thinking about how those details may, may impact the outcome of, of a case, even if their client, you know, is found guilty. Right. You know, obviously you watch something like this and you can't help but think about just, you know, police shootings and, you know, what we've seen recently. And, um, you know, no, none of these interactions or police shooting videos we see are ever the same. They have their own unique set of circumstances. Uh, you know, obviously race has been a big issue. Where is white? You know, one of the things that I that I thought about as I watched this video was how much. Uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, grace the officers showed to wear. We 
we're so and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't mean I, don't, I want to preface this by saying I'm not criticizing I'm not a I'm not a police officer I haven't gone through this training so um, I'm not I'm not trying to make any kind of statements of something that I really don't know about but we were so we were so used to seeing sometimes videos where where the biggest complaint is that police officers uh, were aggressive too quick or that can sometimes be the criticism and officers were aggressive in trying to get wear out of the car but we saw um, them give him, you know, a countdown to get out of the car before they were going to tase him, warn him, we're about ready to tase you. And, and they didn't. And, and several minutes went by. And ironically, most of the time we see these videos and we think maybe police are being too aggressive. I wonder in this case, when you know there's a gun under the seat, in hindsight, if maybe them being more aggressive would have been to their to benefit. I, I don't know. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm speaking about a subject I'm not an expert in, but just I'm thinking about watching this through the lens of some of the other videos that we've seen involving, uh, you know, police shootings or the, or the shooting of a police officer. Yeah, I think that the chief said even that if you, you know, if you watch the full video that they they ordered him out of the car 40 times before there was any any force used. I mean, taser, pepper spray, any physical force. And then 70 times before the shooting happened, you know, before he actually was pulled from the vehicle. And so, um, you know, you could, I think you could maybe watch it and, and find you know, it's like any of these videos that it's, you know, it's sort of like the, the football thing, you know, the sports thing where you watch a replay in slow motion and you're able to, Oh, you know, that foul, how did you miss that foul? I mean, I think you can, you can watch the video and you can see different parts where you say, well, Hey, maybe the officers could have handled it differently this way. Or maybe they could have done this thing differently, but ultimately they, um, you know, what happened was not, it was, did not necessarily need to happen, you know, and they, you know, like you said, they showed him a lot of grace and a lot of patience um, before it got to the point where they, you know, were hands on and dragging him out of the vehicle. Um, and, you know, I do wonder how that will, you know, you, if you talk to, uh, to people who are involved in, uh, you know, police shootings, um, you know, police, you know, union people or police spokespeople. And they do talk about how fast the situation can go wrong as sort of a reason for, um, the, you know, excusing. Sometimes you may watch a video and think, well, that was, you know, needlessly aggressive um, by, on the officer's part. And they'll, they will say, well, you know, some point, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, that's the best way to avoid it going, you know, the, avoid even a chance of it reaching this point, you know, and how quickly it can go wrong. And I did see too, you know, um, there was a, the old homicide, uh, sergeant, he's retired now, but his name's Dave Walker. He's a guy that all the reporters in Tulsa know pretty well. And he's, he's retired, but he worked for Tulsa police for a long time. And he was commenting on the video I saw, I think on his Instagram. And he said something like, you know, people don't, people get upset when officers take, when, you know, when they, when they handcuff you, you know, or you see officers handcuff someone and you think, you know, you know, what did that person do? They're not, you know, what, what do they deserve, do to deserve to be handcuffed? And what he said was that it's, it's, a, it's safer a lot of times for everyone if officers have your hands, you know, if they know, okay, this person's hands are here and they can't, you know, reach under the seat and get a gun. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, in this case, you can look at it and say, well, the officers could have been more aggressive and, you know, could have, 
you know, done other things and maybe should have, you know, and maybe it would have been excused if they had, had done it. Um, and it would have not gone the way that it did. And then you watch other videos and, you know, it's easy to criticize police officers for being too aggressive, too fast. I mean, I don't know that there's any one good answer for, um, for how these things should play out. And I think that's probably a lot of the reason for the ongoing, you know, sort of consternation in between police and public right now is trying to figure out like what, what strategies work and which ones don't, and, you know, which commonly held, you know, police tactics are appropriate and aren't appropriate. And it's maybe one of those things that there's no good, no good answer that applies to every single situation. Finally, Dylan, I want to ask you about the journalistic aspect of this story. You know, obviously, as as journalists, I think we we lean on the side of of uh, access to documents and videos, and it's uh, you know we feel like it's in the best interest as a, to to kind of just default to things being public. You, you know, you wrote wrote a story and 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 published a part of the video or one of the videos, but not all the videos. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your your decision or the process you took in deciding what to show and why not to show some aspects of the video? I mean, I, I sort of looked at it, I think like the judges did, you know, it, I, you know, I said back when it first became an issue over whether the video was going to be released that, you know, I didn't necessarily want to see the video. I, you know, I tell people, you know, I cover police shootings and I tell people that, those videos, I think if, it, if you are interested in policing and police use of force and police reform and that whole discussion that, that it's important to watch, you know, body camera video of police shootings uh, or dash camera video of police shootings or cell phone video of police shootings. Cause you need to see, if you're interested in that conversation, you need to see the state use of force. I, I think it's important to see this is the authority that the state wields that they can take a life. Um, but in this case, it's sort of shoe on the other foot. And I don't know that it was necessarily, um, I don't know that anyone needed to see this video, uh, you know, in, in a vacuum, it's enough to know, okay, this person shot and killed one cop and, you know, shot and wounded another in a way that he'll probably never recover from. I don't know that it's necessary for the public, at least at this point before the trial, I mean, I don't know that it was necessary for the public to see it. If the judge had barred it, I don't know that anyone would have fought it. I mean, I know there were TV stations who didn't even run the video on their website at all, you know. Um, but in this case, because there there is an admitted discrepancy between what police said happened and what the video shows in a case where the state will, I mean, I think everyone assumes will seek the death penalty, I think it's important for people to be able to see and judge for themselves. If you're going to read, if you're going to have public access to that police report um, and be able to go online and pull that police report up and read from it. Um, and if the video shows something else or allegedly shows something else, then I think you should, if you choose to, you know, put yourself through that. I mean, like the mayor said, he didn't, he said he didn't recommend unless you had to watch that video for your job. He said, don't, you know, I don't recommend that watching it. Um, I'm not telling anyone to go out and watch the video, but if you are interested in, in seeing the, you know, the difference between what happened and, 
and what the you know initial police statements were and why that's an issue, which it will be, you know, until this trial concludes, um, then I think you should have the option to view that video. So what I did was I put one video up, um, and then with sort of a lengthy, you know, like I said, 99% of the video is just officers and a, a upset driver, you know, yelling at each other. I put a disclaimer before the shooting happened, um, you know, pretty lengthy pause with a, a viewer discretion, you know, uh, image in front of it, uh, just to let people stop if they got to that point and realized, you know, I don't want to watch this. Um, but like I said, I just, I think it's probably in the context of in a vacuum. No, you probably, you know, would not necessarily at this point need to rush out and see the video, but this, it, this is going to be what the case, you know, hinges on in a lot of ways. And I think that if that's, it's an important case, you know, it's in the public interest and, and because of the, you know, discrepancies that have been, you know, even admitted to by the police department and the DA's office, that it's probably important that people have that option, uh, if they want it. And, and we should say you've got a pretty detailed story at readfrontier.org. And that story, if you're interested in reading that, but don't even want to risk seeing the video, the video is not embedded in the story. You would have to go to the Right, bottom. yeah, I just linked. Yeah, I didn't want, you know, I've age-restricted it. I've done, you know, I think, you know, just the, what, what you can do to keep, you would hate for someone to just accidentally stumble on the video and say, what is this? And then, you know, because like I said, you might watch 99% of it and not even know that something terrible is going to happen at the end. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, in full context of what's going on and kind of what that, where the case is going and where it's headed, I think it's, if, if you want to watch the video, you should be able to. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Listen Frontier. You can find all other episodes on the Listen Frontier podcast feed. And if you subscribe, you'll get the latest episode as it's published each week. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you next week. Thank you.